have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha and uh, welcome and thank you for joining us today at the Believer's Journey. Today we're doing uh, our program on um, questions on the fly. This will be number nine. We kind of had to shoot this in because we had a, a, a guest that had to back out real quick. And so we're kind of on the fly on this one. So um, I want to thank everybody for um, the sponsors that, that support us, all the ones that pray for us and write into us. We've gotten a, a ton of write-ins in the last two weeks of questions and situations. Uh, some I cannot air and some that I, uh, most of my answer and some we're going to talk about today. So I want to thank you, everybody, for your support in every and which way that you can. I, I want to also mention one of our new sponsors we had. I mentioned once for them once before. It's uh, Allison and Thompson Insurance here in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you go on our website at uh, www.thebelieversjourney.net, you will see uh, all of our stuff, our videos, as well as our sponsors. Uh, you'll find a bio on me, and uh, you can support us. You can see books that we represent or support as well. So today on the, the Questions on the Fly, I have Daniel with me. He's been a guest on our program before, and uh, it's so wonderful to have you. I really mean this from the bottom of my heart. Alan, I appreciate being here and to, to, to sit with you, you and to discuss the Word of God and biblical principles and those things that make us better here, not just in our community, but in our homes. And so I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm sorry, I'm kind of, you know, um, oh, honored that you would come because I actually called to have your wife come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got the B team. Yeah, well, <laughs> you got the B team. The A team is busy. You got the B team. She was so funny because when I talked to her, I, I she the first thing she said, "Oh, that's not me. I'm not. I'm not the one to be on this. Uh, do this." I says, "Actually, I need somebody who's sassy, and that is you." <laughs> <laughs> See, proof positive, proof positive, and and she was able to relay that to me. And thank you for allowing me this opportunity just to be with you and sharing the gospel, the good news of God, the, the, the desire to live with God and to have God live within us. That's a powerful message. And I believe in you as you take the believer's journey. So thank you, thank you again. And uh, how, how are you, your family, your ministry, your church? How are things going that, that we can pray for you and so forth? Alan, everything is going well with the family. Everybody got and has recovered from COVID. And so we're grateful for that. Uh, we took the shots and everything, but we're not out there by ourselves. We thank God for that. I need you to pray for our church and for everyone who is listening in, whether you're listening real time or you just tap into this video at a later time, pray for our church. Our senior pastor has recently passed and all of our ministries now are adjusting to what life is like without him and working with each other. So give, pray for us, and lift us up. Tell our, tell our audience the name of your church. We are Praise Cathedral Church of God in Christ. Our address is 5895 Ben's Engelman Road in San Antonio, Texas. That's right next to Kirby Park. So if you're in San Antonio on a Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock or Sunday at uh, at 11 o'clock. Come join us. Praise Cathedral, Church of God in Christ, 5895 Ben's Engelman Road. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks. Okay, Daniel, well, let's get right into the meat of things. And we have a bunch of questions here. Um, we had a program a couple weeks ago, and we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. We had a guest, our guest on the show was uh, Chad Clark. And he shared his life, uh, really opened up his or his soul on, mm. on the program. And we have had actually a great number of people that viewed this and a great number of people who actually wrote in. And we've gotten a lot of comments, a lot of questions from this program. So some of these questions, 
some of them are duplicates because we had a lot of the same type of questions, but we're going to venture into this. And why don't we go ahead and shoot away? Yes. And as I look at these questions, Alan, I see that we've got questions from Eastern Europe, uh, Moldova. We've got questions from right here in Texas and other parts of the United States. The word of God is true everywhere and believers everywhere open themselves up to say, Lord, I'm here. I want to know more about you. And it's segments like this and people like you that help us. So before I get into the Holy Spirit, though, and I'm telling you, that's powerful. And we've got several questions there. The first question uh, from Canada, the person says, I am an alcoholic and was told I will always be an alcoholic. There was a man on your show that said that he was an alcoholic and no longer attended meetings. I was told I will need to attend meetings for the rest of my life. What is your opinion on this? Okay. Um, and that would be Chad, who was on our show, who actually shared that. Mm -hmm. This is interesting because I have many friends who go to... Uh, programs and they might be in different churches called uh celebrate recovery i think it is mm -hmm. and that i understand is all over north america if not other places and it's an aa program i also have a brother who is uh in california and he has been in aa for a couple decades or more and probably one of the most sought out speakers for aa groups in Southern California. Hmm. Um, now, one thing that I believe that was said on the program, because I asked if he was still attending meetings or if he was an alcoholic, and he said that he was, but he doesn't because he said that he believed the Holy Spirit uh, has delivered him and so and freed him from this. Now, my opinion, I think that it's really twofold and it's going to, it's going to even maybe even sound contradictory because I think that there's a place for people to continue to go to meetings. Sure. I think for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I know that my brother who's in California attends the, these meetings. I don't personally think it's because he has to in order to stay not drinking. Okay. Uh, but I believe he goes because he's a role model and he represents victory for all those who are struggling. Mm -hmm. And so he continues to go. And in fact, it has helped his life on a, on a, on a basis of living a life above reproach, living a, a lifestyle that says, hey, you know, I can't be doing certain things in my life because people watch what I do all over. I mean, he, he actually sponsors over 40 people. Wow. So um, he, he's very, but he doesn't mess with anybody who, who wants to mess around with the program. If either you're serious, he will. If you're not, he doesn't. He's very diligent about that. But I think that when he said, I need to live above because people watch what I do, watch my lifestyle, then that's one thing I think is important for people to understand. If you're going to a program in drudgery, oh, I have to go. Well, then, are you really putting into it what you need to get out of it? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as church. You go to church, are you getting out of it? Are you putting into it what you need out of it? Do we go just because we're checking off a box? Oh, I went to the service today. Or are you going to really find victory? You know? So that's one end of it as far as attendance. Do I believe that people have to go all their lives? Well, if you're not finding victory through it, probably. However, I do believe, like Chad said on the program, I do believe in, in deliverance. I do believe in victory. I do believe that the Holy Spirit, uh, that Jesus can conquer sin in our lives so that we can take the next step up and move on into other areas and other directions. So I guess it depends on where your life is and where your values are. For uh, for me, I don't know. I've never had a situation where I had to go to a program because uh, I was addicted. But I do believe that there's victory in Jesus. And I do believe there's healing, 100% total healing through him. And that, I think, is the difference. I can certainly appreciate your answer. And that 
conversation that you had with Chad, I'm sure that that was powerful. And that might even have spurred uh, this question from this person in Canada. You know, I have had things in my life that have been such a test that I have a testimony of victory. I have a testimony of deliverance. And the Holy Spirit empowered me and continues to empower me. The saving of my soul, my, my mind, my emotion, and my will, my desire for Christ keeps me focused in a way that uh, I don't look back on certain things anymore simply because of what I'm pursuing. If this person is at a place where they feel like they need to continue in the, in the meetings, then that's probably good. Great. But then I would say, don't be surprised if you run into somebody like your brother who's there simply because that someone needs a role model. Someone needs that example of victory. Somebody needs to hear that testimony of, oh, yeah, I, I come. I come, but I'm not only getting out, I'm putting in. And so thank you so much for that. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. And so now we talk to this next question uh, that some people might see as linked. From Eastern Europe, the question is, what does it mean to be holy? And how can we be holy when we make so many mistakes or do sinful things? <laughs> you know, one of the, one of the um, central focus of all of my teaching is about becoming holy. One of the things that I, that I um, was taught when I was young when I was first going to church, and, and it may not have been from any pastor, it might have been from Sunday school teachers, mm -hmm. it might have been from, you know, different areas uh, who I, I looked up to only because I was totally brand new to this, is uh, there was a teaching of, you know, the Holy Spirit, when he fills you, your, your original sin is eradicated, and then I would watch these people, the way they lived, and they would live in sinful ways. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and it didn't, didn't make sense to me, you know. And, and so I started doing my own research on holiness and what it meant to be holy. And I went back to, because God says to be holy, mm -hmm. and for he's holy in Leviticus. And Peter re says that all over again in First Peter, mm -hmm. to be holy for God, you know, he says to be holy. For he is holy. However, when I started learning more about our creation in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, mm -hmm. uh, I started realizing that God created us in his image, yes. which means we are created in his moral character, which would be the very foundation is holiness. So if we're created to be holy... In the beginning, and we have all these other attributes that God has created in us, because like it says, create He created us in His likeness, in mm -hmm. His image. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. <coughs> then I believe all the attributes of God were created in us. I don't believe that God was is first and foremost love. I believe first and foremost He is holy. Yes, and in, from His holiness come all these other attributes like love. What makes love perfect? What makes love perfect is because God is holy and love comes from holiness. Therefore, it's absolutely perfect because it is holy. And same thing with, with, with his jealousy, same thing with his anger, same mm -hmm. thing with his you know uh, righteousness and forgiveness. They all come from that. So when we talk about uh, ho being holy, I don't think we're talking about doing every little thing correctly. I think that's a misnomer, nomer, and I think it's a, a teaching that has turned people away from, from the church, from God. 
they've turned people it's turned people away from the idea of what what to pursue because they'll say well if i can't be perfect live perfect then i might as why am i trying to be holy i'll just do what i live the way i want mm -hmm. which is also not scriptural so i think when we con consider ourselves what is holiness well holiness is a state of mind and a state of heart that seeks what is pure so I think when he says to be holy, for, be, uh, for I'm holy, when I say we need to seek out holiness, we need to seek out a pure heart. We need to seek out that which is righteous living, right living. Uh, actually, the word righteous, it's interesting. I, I looked this up the other day, or a few months ago. Uh, righteous really was, was pronounced right wise. It was to be mm -hmm. wise, <laughs> you know, make decisions that were wise. So that's what we talk about holiness. So when we talk about being holy, if I make a mistake, that's not unholy. That's just a mistake. What makes it holy is what is the motive behind it? Is my motive to honor Jesus or is my motive to honor myself? Yes. And if I'm honoring myself and making a mistake, well, obviously, I'm not seeking out holiness. If I'm doing things right, but I'm seeking myself, that's still not holiness. Because it's all about honoring Jesus in our, our motives, in our heart, to be pure and in our heart. And I think that's where the basis is. I am really blessed by what you just said. You know, I am saved. I profess salvation from the penalty of sin. My faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But I'm being saved from the habit of sinning, the habit of missing the mark, the I didn't know it was right yesterday, but I understand now. So when I come to the light, I want to walk therein. And one day this body is going to be gone. I just believe that. I don't believe that when this body is buried, that's the end of it. I believe uh, in the blessed hope I believe in the rapture of the church of God, the people of God. When Jesus comes back, I do believe that. And so when I think of uh, being holy, I'm reminded of Jesus, the boy, who made himself subject to his mother. After they found him, uh, three days of looking for him, and there he was in the synagogue. This is Thank you so much for that. But let's go on to this next question from the United States. When is someone filled with the Holy Spirit? Is it when you are saved or sometime later? Also, why is it important to be filled or baptized with the Holy Ghost? Okay, That's, that is a mouthful. Actually, there's multiple questions in there. Yes. So let me start off with a correction. I, I don't. The, the word ghost, I have a, a hard time with the word ghost because okay. the word ghost, God is not a ghost. A ghost is what we call a spirit of a dead person, and God is not that. Okay. So I, I and the way that it was translated in the King James Version is because 400 years ago, that's how they would think of what a spirit was. Mm -hmm. So when I look at Holy Spirit, I think of Holy Spirit as something different. Jesus said, we will worship him in spirit, mm -hmm. not we will worship a ghost. So I kind of want to clarify that. That's that's me. Okay. And but that, that's helpful. Okay. So, but as far as um, when are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, this is interesting because it really falls upon, are, do we follow a... Um, What what denominational background do we have? Because really, this is denominational. Okay. You have Calvinist people on one side, which represents, you know, your uh, Baptist, your Presbyterian, your Converse. Uh, uh, <laughs> there's a whole word I didn't. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, okay, so a whole group there. And they believe when you are saved, you are filled with the Spirit at the same time. It's just, comes, it's just natural. It is what it is. However, on the other end of this thing, when we look at Wesley and Armenian, they believe in two works of grace. So they believe mm -hmm. that you're saved, and sometime later you seek uh, to be filled with the Spirit, and then you're filled with the Spirit. So it's like what they call two acts of mm -hmm. grace, two acts of salvation. Uh, 
Um, <clears throat> I went to a church in the beginning that was a Nazarene church, was of the Holiness Movement, which was of the Wesleyan, Wesleyan Armenian group, which mm -hmm. believed it's two words of grace. Mm -hmm. Then I went to a university, and my parents went to a Baptist church, and I went to a Baptist university, which taught the opposite. So I, I was able to get the information in the, in the teaching, you know, if I want to say crammed down my throat, <laughs> on both sides. It was available, wasn't it? It was totally available, no, more than available. <laughs> so I was able to step back and kind of separate it and look at it and, and study and see what I think on my terms. Now, obviously, whatever I say here is my belief. Because there, there are people going to be totally different than I do on one end or another and so forth. So I believe that every Christian, every person who is saved, every person who becomes a believer has the availability of the Holy Spirit abiding with them. Okay. I totally believe that. that, that I don't believe you can be a Christian or a believer without the Holy Spirit abiding with you. Okay. Okay. That I totally believe, hands down. Okay. Uh, and and I, you shouldn't disagree with that, no matter what side of the coin you're on. Mm -hmm. That's just part of what it is. Okay. Uh, I don't follow either one totally, but what I think is is that I do believe that when you're saved, the Holy Spirit is with you. Okay. Salvation. What I mean by that is Jesus has come into your life, your heart, and now you're free. Uh, from sin and, and the clutches and the consequences of sin, which leads us away from God eternally, mm -hmm. to now we have our hope in Him. Mm -hmm. okay? I believe that at the time of salvation, when we ask Jesus to be Lord of our lives. Okay. However, I also believe that there is a time later on that we can be filled or baptized by the Holy Spirit at a separate date. Okay. I don't believe that is all-encompassing like that. I also believe that you can become saved and be filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. So I don't think there's any law that points to one or the other, a rule, if you will. Um, so I think there are people who are filled with the Spirit immediately. I think there are people filled with the Spirit later on. I think that uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit... Uh, the reason, which might answer this last question, why is it important? The reason that it's important to have the filling of the Spirit, the, the filling of the Spirit teaches us, and Jesus taught us, and the, the not the Gospels, but the, the epistles and Acts teach us mm -hmm. that the Holy Spirit gives us power. Power for what? It gives us power over sin. Yes. Okay, number one. Uh, number two, it gives us a better clarity of honoring Jesus. The whole foundation of what the Holy Spirit is about is to honor the Son. That's it. Jesus yeah. said, the, son, the Spirit will honor the Son just as I honor the Father. So now you have it. Jesus says, all I do are the works of the Father. All I do is to honor the Father. Mm -hmm. So he is equating the very essence of the filling of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit as what he did with the Father, as what the Spirit does to the Son. That makes sense to you? It, it does. It okay. Does. So in that respect, this is why it's important so that we learn and mature in Jesus so that we know what it is and what it means to honor the Son. Mm -hmm. We as believers, our foundational situation is to become like Jesus, period. Mm -hmm. How do we become like Jesus? Jesus was ultimately perfect. <laughs> so to become like him, where do we find this? We find this in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that when the Spirit comes, he will teach you all things. Yes. And, and I thought more and more about this the other day when I was talking to somebody. Teach you all things, and he will guide you into all truth. This is what we all are looking for. We're looking for the truth, and we're looking to know more and more so we understand all things. Well, Jesus says it's the Holy Spirit that gives it to us. It's like, hello, why is it important to be filled with the Spirit? Because the Spirit is there to give us all of this. And I believe it happens at the point when we are filled with Him. And we live in that, uh, the essence of being filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not sure I answered all of that, but hopefully I was thorough with this. I, I think you were. And one of the things I got out of what you're saying is, to me, 
you had the advantage, let's call it that, of two different perspectives poured into you. Oh. If you, but if the person who becomes that new convert who accepts Jesus, if the preacher that he has doesn't speak of the Holy Ghost, then. Yeah. If there's only one teaching, and this is this is one of the problems we have in our universities. I didn't really say that, did I? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is that if we go to a Wesleyan university, we are taught Wesleyan theology. Yes. We're not taught Calvin theology. If we go to a Calvin university, we're taught Calvin theology. Okay, we go to a Roman Catholic university, we're taught Roman Catholic theology. Mm -hmm. We're not given... In the different universities, and I know this because I've attended several different <coughs> universities mm -hmm. of several types. So I know they teach their own. They don't give you a broad aspect or perspective of what it all looks like so that you can make the choice. They don't want you to make a choice. They want you to teach what they are about. Yes. So my, my advantage is I got to go to these different universities that teach the different things that gave me a perspective of, wait a minute, this is conflicting to know that this is conflicting, that finally I need to sit down. Well, how do I make it non-conflict, you know, not to conflict each other, how to make it work with each other? And that's basically what I've done in my life is to take all this, because some of it's really good teaching, some of it's not. Mm -hmm. And so I had to figure out, well, what's contradictory in the scripture? What doesn't work in the scripture? What does work in the scripture? And that's that's the avenue that I've taken that I believe what the way I look at it is correct. And like I said, not everybody's going to agree with me because you have the different organizations that have their own teaching. Sure. They may not agree with mine. Sure. I can appreciate you saying that. Even if everything I knew was true, there's more truth than what I know. <laughs> We're all still learning. Believe me. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 I would imagine your pursuit caused you to want to be closer to God. Well, when I became a Christian, and I said this last week on, on my program, I became a Christian because I wanted fire insurance. I did not want to go to hell and burn forever. And and I was not a I didn't go to really attend church or was a Christian. I was just happened to read a little comic book at the very end. He did mm -hmm. it was about the beast and the end times. And at the end, the guy didn't believe in Jesus and make him his Lord, so therefore he was burning. And I thought, this really was unsettling. And that's mm. what I wanted was, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to burn. So that's what happened. However, what you just said was important. I Through the years, I learned that it wasn't about saving me from burning. It was about honoring and loving and falling in love and having this deep relationship with Jesus. That changed my whole thinking. I mean, yeah. I believe there were many years in my life that I grieved the Spirit because mm -hmm. of my life and lifestyle. And there came a point in my life when I said, I can't do this anymore. I've got to honor Him, and I've got to find the way to do that. And by taking these different avenues and not just learning about them, but applying them in my lifestyle was really it. All right. So, that last question came from within the United States. Uh, we've heard a question from Canada all the way in Moldova. Moldova. Yeah. Moldova. Okay. Yes. Uh, comes the next question that I, I think really fits here. You said that we need to follow the law to become like God. Did not God punish people in the Old Testament for trying to become like God? From what I understand, we are not supposed to seek to become gods, but followers of God. So how is it that you say we must become like God? You know, when I do these 15-minute little show programs, it's hard to get everything in. Sure, <laughs> sure. So, so let, me, let me start with this. We are not supposed to become a god, period. That is yes. not our pursuit. God is God. He is only God. Absolutely it, period. Mm -hmm. Exclamation point. That, that is. Oh, there is only one God. There is only God. He is it. So I do not believe that we are to pursue to become him or a God 
or like him in, in the manner of uh, like Adam and Eve in, in the garden, okay? Mm -hmm. Or like the Tower of Babel, you know, they were, all those people were punished. So if this is what he's referring to, mm -hmm. you know, they were trying to reach God, become like him. And, and again, back to the, we talked about the motive. What's our motive, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think that um, when, I, when I say we need to become like him, it's like I said earlier, uh, God created us with uh, like in His likeness, in His image, which almost all scholars I've ever read that are credible say they believe it is the moral character of God. Okay. Which, when we look at the moral character of God, we go back to what it is. What is the beginning of all this? Is being holy. So God said Himself that He wants us to be holy. Okay, become holy because he is holy. So when I talk about becoming like God, I'm talking about becoming holy like God. Yes. Not becoming God himself or a God. Um, I know that, uh, and we were just having this little conversation earlier. Um, there, We get all kinds of comments and questions. And there was a, a, a somebody in um, below the Philippines. It's... Uh, Indonesia was, was wrote me, and he was trying to talk to me about how Jesus became a God because of his lifestyle. Well, mm -hmm. that's not what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. We don't become a God. We become like God in the fact that we are, our hearts are pure because they've, we've come into this idea of holiness. When we look at yes. the fruit of the Spirit, for example, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, that's the very character of God. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is what Paul says. We need to walk in the fruit of the spirit. This is what we need to become. And so when we look at this, this is what I'm saying. We need to become holy. We need to become that which is the fruit of the spirit so that we emulate the very fact that we look like God in our behavior, in our lifestyle, in our motives of life. If, if that, I think that, that, that's, that's very helpful. That's very helpful. It's. There's a place for me in God that does not make me God. Right. There's a place for me in God. Connectivity, not only with me and God, but with other believers. So the body of Christ. It's like Paul said. He said, for me to live is Christ. Mm -hmm. He wasn't saying he became Jesus. Right. He became right. Christ. He's basically saying, you know, my lifestyle emulates the lifestyle of Jesus. Yes. Jesus is our perfect example of what we're supposed to, how we're supposed to live. And if he is our perfect example, then we need to pursue that very idea of, well, what is Jesus like? It's like the old saying, what would Jesus do? When we consider that as a, a focus, like holiness is our focus, and all the other things in life are connected to that holiness, then all the other things become right in our living and, and perfect in our living because our focus is on being holy, not becoming God. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So thank you for that. Now from Germany, the person is saying, writing and saying, uh, Christianity is not a religion, but rather a relationship with Jesus. I must largely disagree. All beliefs are religion as have been taught throughout time. My question to you is this. How can you have a relationship with God that you cannot even see or touch? That's a pretty old question. I get We all have those questions, I think. Mm. Um, but the first one's interesting. So... Um, I have, I have uh, for several years now in my life, I have been teaching and I am convinced that Christianity, Judaism, not today's Judaism, but mm -hmm. Judaism of back 4,000 years ago when God had set up this whole idea of Judaism with the Jews, with the Hebrews mm -hmm. people, was, was all about relationship. It wasn't about religion. Okay. So when we look at the Ten Commandments, for example... What are the Ten Commandments? It's all about having a relationship with God mm -hmm. and having a relationship with each other. 
Yes. And how do we live in this relationship? Yes. You know, one of the problems we have in today's world is that we look at the Ten Commandments or the law as being legalistic and all these do's and don'ts. And that's not what, how the law was set up. That's how man has corrupted the law. Mm-hmm. When Jesus was around, they had corrupted it so badly. You know, every time he did something, they were saying he was breaking the law. And he's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you don't understand the law. <laughs> you don't understand right. Exactly. And Paul right. was dealing with these Judaizers who were trying to be so legalistic because they perverted the law at that point. It became really corrupt. And that's what we deal with today. And we're taking that in. And I think because many, 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 many New Testament believer Christian people, I hope I get you all there, mm-hmm. don't read the Old Testament. That's a shame. Because the Old Testament is part of the New Testament. It's just, it shouldn't even be old and new. It should be one and two. You know, because the New Testament, if we'd never had the Old Testament, the New Testament would never make any sense. Because it relies on and draws from the very fact of what the Old Testament is and what it teaches. So when we look at the law, the law talks about how to treat one another, how to live with one another in a society. What happens if somebody abuses that? What happens to that person? How should that person be treated or taken care of or so forth? Um, How do we deal with God? How do we honor him? How do we live with him? Mm-hmm. I mean, just the very fact, and I te- talk about this a lot on the third commandment or the commandment that says, you know, don't take God's name in vain. Okay. Most every Christian learns this by not saying the name of Jesus or God yes. in vain. Yes. And the word note, take that word, take literally out of the Hebrew means carry, carry, don't like carry that. the name of it. So what does that mean? That means don't say you're a believer one day and live like a sinner the next. That's talking about a relationship, not about rules and laws and regulations. It's like, if I'm going to say I'm a believer, then I need to live like a believer. If I'm not living like a believer, then I'm, carrying or taking his name in vain because I'm a hypocrite. And that is exactly what that law, if you will, means. So we need to look at it more as relationship. So when I talk about what is a relationship, what is religion, this should answer this question. Take the definition of it. What is a relationship? A relationship is somebody who's connected with somebody else in some type of relationship, whether brother, sister, Mm -hmm. spouse, friend, it's a relationship, it's a connection, of blood, of, of friendship of some type, okay? What is religion? Religion is an act of doing things on a regular basis, like as of worship or singing or so mm-hmm. forth. Our, our idea of what Christianity or Judaism at its purest core is not about doing those things. In fact, if you go to church today, to go and sing your songs and listen to a sermon and go home is not at all what the early church was about. Mm -hmm. They went to a church to talk together, pray with one another, share their burdens, you know, uplift one another, Mm -hmm. bring one another to a place where they are uplifting one another so they can become a unit to be strong and honor Jesus. That was the early church. That's not about going to singing and listening to a sermon. So, what was that all about? That's about relationship. What is this about here? We're talking about today, we go to church, most of it's all about religion. So helpful. Um, I had a professor once that shared that the Old Testament, it would be good if, if we viewed the Old Testament as the New Testament concealed. And it would be good if we viewed the New Testament as the Old Testament revealed. That's pretty cool. One and two. There are people, think about this and, and, and see, if, see how you feel about it. And you might want to throw it away later. <laughs> uh, but there are people who have relationship. The father has a son that he didn't know about. But there's a relationship. There's a blood connection there. Correct. And the father is rich. And because that son has a blood relationship, then that son is automatically an heir because of relationship. 
but because they don't have any fellowship one with the other. There's no closeness. That son doesn't know about the father. That father doesn't know about the son. And so their fellowship is non-existent. I'm glad to have relationship with God, but I certainly still want to have a stronger fellowship yeah. with God. Well, and, and a son like that not only has, doesn't have that relationship, he doesn't even know that there is uh, any inheritance. That's right. He doesn't. He doesn't. And if he doesn't know about it, he will never receive that inheritance. Lives beneath his privilege. You're absolutely exactly. right. Exactly. So, um, and I think that, and I and I've. Early on in some of my um, programs, I've talked about this. Um, religion, I mean, there's, when I've gone to Eastern Europe and I've talked to people, uh, I've been hearing that religion is bad, religion is bad, religion is bad. Mm -hmm. And I've, I have to say, no, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Because you have different kinds of religion. Mm -hmm. um, number one, religion the acts of religion cannot save you. It cannot give you that relationship with God. That is, that is not what religion is supposed to be about. But I think that's what the where, where we get into problems because people are pushing or sharing religion thinking that's what's going to save people. And mm -hmm. that's where it's not true. However, there is a separateness of what religion is. We have man-made religion, which are okay. a lot of rules, a lot of regulations, a lot of uh, controlling factors or guilt things that people put on to get them to into their churches to continue to go on. Mm -hmm. And it, and it, the motives, the ulterior motives are bad. Now, some of those motives may not be bad. It might be good. We don't believe in drinking because drinking causes problems. Okay, that's fair. But don't say the Bible says drinking's a sin because that's not true. Mm -hmm. But man's religion will say that and that contradicts the scripture. Now, God has created religion. The, the, when we go and pray, you know, what is that? That is something God created. That's religion. We do yes. that regularly. Do it religiously. Religiously. We go to, we fellowship with one another. That's mm -hmm. our best part of God's religion. We, we give tithing. That's part of God's religion. Mm -hmm. We read our scripture. That's, those are, that's religion that God has created. Now, anybody can do that. It doesn't mean you have a relationship with him. Once you settle that Jesus is Lord of your life, okay, or even back thousands of years ago, once you honor God and he is your God and he is your Lord, mm -hmm. that's a relationship you have that you're connected with him and you have eternity with him. Yes. But it's not because of the religious facets that God created. And it's definitely not because of the ones that man created. What, what, the, what the religious factors that God created does for us, it, it creates within us a, a good, strong character. It creates in us something that we value to move on, to grow and become more mature and have a stronger relationship with him. That's why we have the religion that God has created for us, not to save us, but to help strengthen the relationship we do have. Mm -hmm. It's like you get married. Okay, you're married. All right. If you never talk to your wife, how good of a marriage is that going to be? <laughs> Right. It's not going to be good at all. Yes. Sir. If you, you know, if you don't honor your wife or do anything good for your wife, how good of a relationship is that? You may have some type of a weak relationship there, but all the things we do mm. to honor our wives, honor our spouses, that strengthens that relationship. That is what God has done with his religion, if you will, uh -huh. for the relationship we want and have with him. Yes, sir. I don't know how much time we have left, but question from here in the United States. Where in the Bible does it say that if Jesus is not your Lord, then he cannot be your Savior? Okay, well, this is a statement I made some time ago. Let me think here. Um, let me see if I can get to answer this a roundabout way. Uh, one of the big concerns I have as a teacher of the Bible is that Christendom, okay, mm -hmm. has come to has come to compromise the very essence of what Christianity is. Okay, 
in our churches, in our universities, uh, in, in our daily lives, in our fellowships. We've compromised all, all of this. And I think that one of the statements I've been hearing for decades now that I think is one of the areas that compromises are the very essence of what a Christian or a believer is, is the fact that we use terms that are not scriptural. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the Bible never, ever says that I accept Jesus as my Savior. Okay. But it's something we hear daily out of many, 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 if not most churches in the world. Okay. Okay. It never says to claim Jesus as our Savior, ever. In fact, it's not even anything we can do. We cannot make Jesus our Savior. It's something that he does. Why? Okay. He went to the cross to become the Savior of the world. The, he, he is not even my personal Savior until I go to him to do what? Not accept him as Savior. It doesn't say that. Okay. But to profess him and call him my Lord, to make him Lord of my life. Mm-hmm. So the Bible does teach that we need to make Jesus Lord of our life. I mean, when in Acts, when they come up to Peter, you know, how do I, how can I be saved? Confess Jesus as the Lord and mm-hmm. you will be saved. Romans, the, ba- the famous verse in Romans, all the churches teach about confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus is Savior. No, mm-hmm. Jesus is Lord. And the very word of term believe is an active verb. And the very term of confess is a deep conviction within. Mm-hmm. So it's not about just passively verbalizing it. It's about within this conviction that I act upon the fact that Jesus is Lord of my life. What does that mean? That means that uh, you're his servant. What does that mean? Well, it means you do what he teaches. Okay, okay. <laughs> so this is what the Bible teaches. And accept him as Savior is not what it teaches. So what I'm trying to say is you can't say that Jesus is my Savior but he's not my Lord because the Bible doesn't teach that. It teaches you make him Lord. And then what happens? He becomes your savior. It's his responsibility to be your savior. That's his, that's what he does. That That's what he does when we make him our Lord. Jesus said that to have everlasting life, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. Okay. What does that signify? Lordship. We need to become like him. Mm-hmm. The Bible talks over and over about becoming like Jesus, following his teachings. If we're following his teachings, we're making him Lord of our life. When we make him Lord of our life, he, in essence, saves us and becomes our Savior. And that's the twofold part of it. If we're being taught that Jesus is our Savior, we don't have to do anything. Well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. It, you know, We still have to go to him, make him our Lord. Yes. And then, like in, in Ephesians, it says we're created for good works. That means we need to be, live in a righteous life, become holy, live that way. We do have responsibility. So I think it's cheapened the whole idea of Christianity and the whole idea of what it is to be a Christian when we start talking about accepting him as, Jesus, as Savior, but we have no responsibility as a servant or to make him Lord of our life. So then no matter how good I am, no matter how much I give, no matter how much people uh, compliment me because of their thoughts towards me, I just can't bring that package and say, now you're my savior. Well, let's go to the scripture. What does the scripture say? It says that our righteousness okay. is to, as to God is like filthy rags. We cannot be good enough in all of how good you are, how wonderful uh-huh. you are, or whatever it is, to measure up to the holiness and righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. That's why God reaches down to us. And creates this whole arena for us to save us. But all we need to do is turn to him and say, you are the Lord and my God. And that's where it comes into play. I used to watch these programs, TV programs. And I'd still watch them today if if I could find them. But uh, when whether it was the Vikings or an invading army or whatever would come, all the people that were working in the fields, they would run to the protection of the Lord of that land. Yeah. Landlord. Okay. They would run to the protection of the Lord of that land. And then the Lord, because that Lord would cause them 
to be saved. If we don't run to the protection of the Lord, follow his edicts, follow those things that the Bible gives us, his word, that just make life so much better for us and so much better for us as individuals and community. If we're not doing that, then he's not Lord. That's what you... Go ahead, finish. That's what you're saying. We've got to come and want to be changed, leave who we were, how we were, and those things that kept us from the Lordship relationship. Yeah, you know, we, we live in this idea of uh, idolatry. You know, we we serve whatever we want to serve. We mm-hmm. make gods. I mean, what is idolatry except for taking something or someone and making it more important than God. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the rich guy who comes to Jesus and says, you know, how, do, how can I have everlasting, have everlasting life? How can I be saved? And Jesus says, you know, follow all the commandments. Well, this I've all done. Mm-hmm. Well, then mm-hmm. give everything you have to the poor and come follow me. <laughs> and he couldn't do it. Why? Because his riches were his God. His God, yes. He already was breaking the first commandment right there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if you, if we really want to know and understand from a biblical standpoint about uh, this idea of, of Jesus being Lord, God being Lord of our lives and, and recognizing that, read the Psalms. David is so amazing mm-hmm. how he puts together how God is his, you know, Lord, his God, his refuge, his strength, all in all. That is what God is to him. And I think that once we, if we can capture David's thinking in all of this, because God said what? David's like a man after his own heart. That's right. And if we can understand that, it makes it much easier for us to understand that, you know, it's all about relationship. Mm. It's all about relationship. I can mm. go to church all day long, every day of the year, read my Bible through and through, give all kinds of money to the church and and still end up not going to heaven living with God because I didn't have that relationship with him. So it's definitely not about religion that saves you. It's about the relationship. I'm thinking about people who don't want to live with God and don't want to abide by God's word here. But in the next life, they think they're going to be happy with God. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. This is such a powerful uh, session we're having here. To know who Jesus is and then to know who Jesus is to us individually. I think doing that tears down a lot of barriers, even when the Calvinists are talking to the Wesleyan. Why? Because even though what you're preaching about, what you're teaching over here is good for us, there's something that another preacher is preaching that is also good for us. And so there's only so much time that we allot in our society and even the days that we allot in our society to go to church as we go. Yeah, come into worship, go out to serve, but when we go out and then, and then as the as the first church did, as the Jews did before them, we find ourselves connecting with others and building one another up in this most holy faith. When we do that, we are so much better off. You know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know. I've known you and your wife for a couple of years now. A couple of years, yeah. I have no idea what your <laughs> denominational or, or you know. Yeah, or, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have no idea. But I, I admire and look up to you and your family more than you know because of the work that you guys do. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about you and your family yes, because yes. I'm, I'm talking about your your son-in-law, your daughter, your wife, all of you just seem to be really engaged 
in lifting Jesus up in the community. Mm-hmm. When we had our freeze last year, and my wife was crying because she thought she was going to die. I probably shouldn't say that on, on camera. Because well, it was so freezing cold in our house, and we were gone looking for water because we didn't have water. And Rick shows up. Your son-in-law shows up, knocks at the door. We're not there. Calls me on the phone. Where are you? Oh, we're looking for water. He goes, oh, I'm at your house. Oh, well, what can I help you with? I have a generator for you. Talk about life-saving. I mean, Mm -hmm. you guys are just amazing. You really show the very essence of what Christianity is. And like I said, I know nothing about what what your denominational beliefs are or thinking is. All I see is Jesus. I can appreciate that more than you know. Because that's all you're supposed to see. Exactly. That's that's all I'm supposed to be projecting. He works the will and to do. Jesus is Lord of my life. And he has been for a long time. Now, define long for a guy (laughs) as young as I am. (laughs) Yeah. But he has been. And so... The fruit of that spirit, the fruit of the spirit of God in me should be coming out. And it really should be. It's good. Let me say it this way. It's good when it is reflected or it's also exampled in the lives of my children. Yeah. Because we got grandchildren. Yes. And a great grandchild. (laughs) Want to see that happen. Want to see that happen. And it's, it's, it's sessions like this where we can talk, come, let us reason together. What do we believe that builds one another up? What gets us closer to Jesus? Because if we're climbing the ladder, trust me, we're leaving rungs behind. Yeah. We're leaving rungs behind, but we're getting closer. And then it's not, it's important to realize those rungs are still there. Otherwise, we're not on a ladder. But yeah. You know, I think that... Um... I, I, we don't. We probably don't have time for a question, but we do have time to talk for a couple minutes. Okay. I, I think that what what I, what I want to do with this program isn't to go back and search your denominational belief structure mm-hmm. to find out if I'm teaching according to your denomination. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to do is is bring about biblical principles and biblical teaching. Yes. And making sure that what you're Thinking, believing, or following are those very principles or teachings from the scripture itself. That's right. I I have to say that, you know, I've, I've belonged to a couple different denominations. Um, I pastored, I was a pastor of one particular denomination. And there are some things I didn't quite agree with, but I still honored that because of my position. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm more independent, you know, I... Uh, I I've even said I'm not Calvinist or I'm Wesleyan. You mm-hmm. know, and people say that's impossible. Well, no, it's not. No, it's not. You know, and, and I think that you know, just because two men got their theologies all made up and we have this big following, doesn't mean that's absolutely 100 percent correct because it's not. And I'm hoping that people will see this program as something that comes out biblically more so than denominationally. I was yes. asked this question on, on this last program I did, what church do you go to and represent? I'm thinking, well, you know, or am I associated with? So I'm named off. Well, I'm associated with all these different denominations, mm-hmm. which have to do with different denominations mm-hmm. and sides. But I go to a one church that really doesn't reflect my total belief, but it's mm-hmm. what I teach in and what's what I, where I go. My teaching is still true to the scripture, mm-hmm. even more so than a denomination. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is important because what I want to build on isn't the denomination of any type, but the the teaching of the scripture of all type. That makes sense to you. It does. It does. And one of the reasons it does is because during my time in the army, I pastored several churches where we worshiped in the chapel. And the people that came to at one place, it was called a gospel service. Another t- place, it was called a, a denominational service. Uh, the, it wasn't what was on the door. 
It was what was going on on the inside. Exactly. What was going on on the inside. And when people are hurting, when people are in distress, when people are about to give up, or when people want to rejoice, hey, it's about how they know God and how they reached God, how they reach out to God that causes them to, yes, I accept what God is doing now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that kind of ends our program. We're wow. maybe a little over, I think. Um, however, I want to thank everybody for joining. This was really a good. It was really amazing. So, um, uh, write, uh, subscribe to the program, if you will. Uh, ask questions. Give me your comments. Uh, anybody and everybody who is watching this. Uh, I really uh, love reading people's comments and questions, and I do answer people. So everyone have a wonderful day, have a wonderful week, and aloha.